Hello, and welcome to Stirring the Pot, Entertainment Suits' premier pop culture podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek, the first and the last. Today we have... Sam. And... It's me, Asia. Um, and it's a pretty exciting day. We're going to be talking about Final Fantasy 16 and the philosophy of freedom. Woo! Yeah, baby! Uh, the next few weeks of stirring the pots, we have a lot of um, games to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, this summer, we've been uh, gaming. We've been gaming. We played a lot. We're gamers over here. <laughs> There's a lot of games to haven't finished yet. Yeah, Dear more Lord. games keep coming out. Yeah, I still have games from past summers that I have not finished. The thing Shout is, out I... to Persona <laughs> Phantom I... Strikers. I rem- the thing is, I the... dream about you. Remember, we, I had like 80-something hours in um, Pathfinder. Oh, my Wrath God. Wrath of the Righteous. We got it Pathfinder from... Pathfinder was... <sighs> we, got a, we got an early review copy of it. Um, we talked about it a little bit. It was bit, so many hours. But it was so in-depth. 80 hours in. And I wasn't... like I was told I wasn't even halfway through the game. And I was just like, well... Frightening. That's, that's too much. Yeah, that's a... That's, the thing is, 80 hours? 80 hours? And I had fun. The thing, something was happening all that time. It was just too much. And so we have a lot of games like that. So this next few weeks of Stirring the Pot, we're going to try to empty out the backlog of our sort of philosophical talks about these um, games, about these games, about these products. These thinkings. These thinkings. Um, Entertainment Stew uh, overview for the week. Uh, We have another bonus episode of The World of Valor coming out tomorrow. B-Sides! You you guys seem to really take to the idea that we do a lot more of the World of Valor B-Sides and bonus episodes, Mm -hmm. which is great because that means I can give them more B-Sides and not have to worry about it ruining the flow of things. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is all I've wanted for years. Uh, and then on Wednesday, we have our next episode of the World of Valor, which kickstarts the Twilight Tournament. So that's our big season... uh, event happening Yo, mm-hmm. twilight tournament and then this friday um we'll be it. talking about uh new rules and stuff that ran into the world of vala and mm-hmm. our empty calories um also an announcement of potentially new people joining the world of vala uh, some of you lucky few will join the world of vala within our next season we have a whole audition process that we have to go through. We'll talk through all of that on Friday. And then finally, sorry, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and Friday, we have the premiere of Air of Valeno Mansion. Yeah. Murders. Mysteries. Murders. Mysteries. It's going to be exciting. I can't think of a third end thing. Rich people with rich problems. Monarchies? No. no. It's not a monarch. They're just an heir. Mansions, mansions, murders, and mysteries. Oh, uh, maybe we did it. Diner driving and drives, but for <laughs> mysteries. Um, thank you. Shout out to you know those hotel programmings, the Food Network. So Final Fantasy sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, probably one of my favorite Final Fantasies. I feel like it's really hard to talk about it. And not mention some of the controversy the game got garnered, such as the fact that um, the creators wanted to tell a more "quote unquote" Western story, and so on the surface, for a lot of people, it didn't look like a traditional Final Fantasy game, especially with the fact that they went with action RPG rather than 
traditional turn-based. Turn-based. Mm. And so it caused a lot of people to kind of hate on the game. Close their hearts to it. And not want to try it. And I get it. The thing is, I feel like it's really hard to watch. As I, as I mentioned in the article that's going to be in um, the summer issue of Potluck, um, <laughs> it's understandable. So, like, if it's a game franchise you loved for a long time to kind of buck change, to buck the system, and annoy you when they do it. Mm-hmm. Some games do it poorly, such as uh, Dragon Age. Oh, um, my God. The Dragon new Age game, sucked. if you haven't if you haven't seen the um, the gameplay for the new game, it's for Dread Wolf. It looks more like it's taking off of the action-adventure games like God of War, <sighs> which doesn't work. That's so for this antithesis game. to what they've set up for years. They're three games in, and we're ten years out. You know what? Never mind. This is well, it'll turn into a different podcast. We're here for Final Fantasy. And so I set out when I was writing the article to be like, okay, I want to write about a core idea that's in every Final Fantasy game to kind of show that in its very bones, this game represents Final Fantasy, and it represents it well. Um, I decided to go with the philosophy of freedom. Mm-hmm. It's an idea that I feel like you can find in every Final Fantasy. Um, I'm going to read it through. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce the basic story of Final Fantasy 16. Also, we're we're going to try to avoid doing spoilers on this overthinking, mm-hmm. mostly because um, it's came out last month and it's yeah. a really long game. Yeah. Yeah, and we try to we even try to avoid spoilers in our like persona panels at conventions. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is you could talk about the philosophy without going super in depth into spoilers for certain things. Some cer- some things we're going to have to spoil it. But this one I don't feel like I need to for you to get the point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you don't know, Final Fantasy 16 is set in the twin continent of Valistea. Uh Six, uh, it's uh, currently divided between six nations that hold power through access to magical crystals and something called dominance. Um, anime fans, it's essentially Jinchurikis, and the countries wield them against each other. Um, tensions between the nations escalate as a magical drought dubbed the Blight begins consuming the land. The story follows the life of Clive Rossfield, the guardian for J- his brother, Joshua Rossfield, dominant of the Phoenix. After the fall of his kingdom and being forced into slavery, a chance meeting with the outlaw Sidolphus Telemon thrusts Clive into a conflict between the nations of Valisea and the secrets of the Icons. The Final Fantasy 16 is really fun to play through. Um, Asia and Sam got to watch glimpses of me playing through it as I like barreled through that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of freedom, uh, the the theme of freedom works its way through its very core. In fact, you play someone who very shortly after the prologue, well, at the end of the prologue, becomes enslaved. And the entire game, there are uh, these people called the Branded who you kind of become this kind of outlaw savior for as you try to break them. Out of enslavement? Yeah. It becomes, on so many layers, a story about um, finding your place in the world and finding freedom within that place in your world. Something that's very common throughout a lot of Final Fantasy games. Mm -hmm. If you look at, let's talk about the most popular ones, um, Final Fantasy VII. 
Um, it was all about Cloud kind of being trapped by the memories of who Zack was and not finding the freedom to be his own person. Final Fantasy VIII, um, a similar thing. Squall Lionheart, Leon Hart. Um, he's a character who, um, one, is amnesiac, but realizes that he's fighting for a organization that's going against the interests of the world. Uh, Final Fantasy XV, the bro's road trip, it's Noctis coming to terms with who he, he is and trying to kind of center that. Right? He's getting married and he thinks it's something that he really wants to do. And he but he laments that he didn't have a choice. And that's kind of what it comes down to a lot within Final Fantasy XV. Um, as you're talking through with Sid, as he's introducing you to the wider world and the wider conflict, um, you get the idea that uh that even if the decision might not be the best or might lead to something terrible to give people the choice is what true freedom is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so that brings us to the philosopher we used, which was uh, Rudolf Steiner um, from 1861 and 1925. Uh, He wrote this work called the philosophy of freedom. It's a very long, very German, very, um, analytical philosophy about freedom. Um, It's broken into multiple parts. Part one of the philosophy of freedom examines the basis of freedom and human thinking, gives an account of the relationship between knowledge and perception, and explores the role and reliability of thinking in the formation of knowledge. Okay. Part two, he analyzes the conditions necessary for human beings to be free and develops a moral philosophy that he labels ethical individualism. Both of these parts can be seen throughout the the hours of playing Final Fantasy XVI. Um, if you don't know, uh, analytical philosophy is not my favorite philosophy to read. Um, help me am I wrong, Asia, but it's... when it. It's very technical philosophy. It is. I feel like it focuses a lot on the idea of, and I'm like, like yourself, I'm more lean towards continental style philosophy. Mm -hmm. I feel like analytical gets so into the nitty gritty of things. It's very technical. It's very exacting about its wording that it can be. It can be a lot to read sometimes. I have some quotes in here from him, which very much highlight that the way he looks at freedom is so categorical. Like, it has to fit a specific um, label in order to be counted as freedom. Um, for example, in this first part, he it's essentially over 100 pages talk, making these two points. Um... He begins exploring the nature of human freedom by accepting that an action of which the agent does not know why he performs it cannot be free. That is the thing that he keeps going back to at the beginning of the thing. Say one more time for me. Yeah. Um, and that an action of which the agent does not know why he performs it 
cannot be free. Oh, wow. And so he proposes Mm -hmm. in two steps that through introspective observation, we can become conscious of the motivations of our actions. So first, you have to think to yourself, why are you doing the things you're doing? Mm -hmm. You can't just go with it. You got to properly think it through. And then the next step is that the sole possibility of human freedom, if it exists at all, must be must be sought in an awareness of the motives of our actions. So think about what you're doing, and then you have to consi- consistently search on why you're doing that thing. I have a question. Yeah, of course. Sorry, I, in that regard, like... Sorry, because sorry, since I used to work at office jobs a lot, there'd be times, <laughs> there'd be times where you have to do something a certain way because the next part of like you would like kind of do like some like paperwork, and the paperwork has to be done a specific way, and even though you don't know why you have to do it a specific way, it affects the other person's job. Does that not count? I mean, I guess it's an office job anyway. So it's I feel not... like for the argument of an office job, he would count like that. It's not. I wonder what the depth of knowing. Yeah. It has to be because Sam just gave a reason why she's doing it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I have to fill out X, Y, and Z paper because it makes the next person's job who I have to give this paper to easier. Mm-hmm. And that's a reason. That's a motivation. However, do you need to know the ins and outs of why it makes it easier? Mm-hmm. Like, I get what he's saying. It makes sense to me because, and I guess it's, because naturally that's how my brain tends to think anyways. Yeah. I spend an obnoxious amount of time analyzing like motivations mm-hmm. and why I do the things I do. So this clicks. The thing is, it's as I was reading it, as I was originally going to use, I talked to you about the philosophy I was going to use previously. I was going to mm-hmm. use Kant mm-hmm. because Kant has the most, one of the most famous philosophies of freedom. Mm-hmm. But this one I feel like clicked more with the game. Especially since we're given our character of Clive, who um, he is constantly forced into situations. Mm-hmm. Um, either by his family or the idea that. Okay. Like the or- I'm so sorry. No, the, yeah, the organization he joins with Sid. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, even Sid is just like, yeah, you have to do this. And it's just like. Why? Why? Mm-hmm. And then. He, Clive had a problem, and it's a subtle problem with his character where he just kind of goes with it. Mm-hmm. I think one, they did that because it's your entryway into the world, so you kind of have to see how the world develops. And over the course of the game, you see him come up with his own, like, reasons for doing it, where he isn't just copying Sid, or he isn't just doing his duty as his brother's shield. He's you get him in situations where people ask him, what do you want to do? And at first he bucks against it. It's like, Oh, I want to find my brother or I, um, am just trying to do this to survive. But it's like, you, you get his, you watch as he forms his thesis over the course of 25 years of life Mm -hmm. with him. And I feel like that's an interesting exploration of this philosophy. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, according to Steiner, it isn't just the knowing. Um, this is when he gets kind of crunchy. Yeah. 
So a key question he asks, because the thing is, he brings up this idea of the will, which I feel like a lot of German philosophers bring up. This idea that there's a driving force that pushes us through everything. Hmm. Um, but he says, in regard to the freedom of the will, he observes that a key question is how the will to action arises in the first place. And he thinks humans come, human action comes from two sources. There's the instinctual one, of course. There's the, um, your innate instincts and feelings pushing you in the, pushing you to the future. Which is interesting within Final Fantasy because this is all within the idea of, this philosophy doesn't touch on animals. It only touches on humankind. And one big part of Final Fantasy is, it's a JRPG. It's a Final Fantasy game. You're going to fight a god. Mm-hmm. Where the god kind of laments that, yeah, your human instincts, your propensity to make relationships, it makes you weaker. Mm-hmm. Where the constant idea of freedom constantly comes up where it's just like, yeah, you're a god. You don't understand that this is what is human. A part of our drive to will comes from this outpouring of emotion that we constantly share. And then finally, he mentioned that it's culture. Your culture helps determine your kind of freedom. Mm -hmm. So he, he says that both nature and culture bring forces to bear on our will and soul of life. Overcoming these two elements, neither of which is individualized, we can achieve genuinely individualized intuitions that speak to the particular situations at a hand. So if you overcome and you can go through your base instincts, as well as what your culture expects you to, for you can become a true individual that's how you continue on this path of freedom does that make sense Mm, i think and let me just make sure yeah so the idea of instinct and culture and overcoming these isn't to like downplay them or assign them any sort of value that's like oh these things are like negative where they're holding you back but it's just the very nature of having to reflect and having to, the first two rules where you have to like know why you're doing something mm-hmm. and um well i guess it's and you have to kind of know your motive which is the same thing but it's you know so overcoming instinct where which is when you're doing something without knowing the motive you're just kind of, not like without knowing the motive but action comes before motive and exactly. before that reflection and versus culture where action comes from kind of n- nurture exactly instinct is overcoming nature and culture is overcoming nurture like making the choice because you want to make it not because it's expected of you by your family by where you grew up by the choices that you were surrounded with socially Mm -hmm. and thus once you go that's why you have to move past those because when you have culture it's very easy to fall back on it without examining it but once you examine culture it's not saying you have to abandon it it's just saying you have to go 
the step further because exactly. if you're blindly following it, you're not. I feel like it all comes down to choice where you have there's no freedom without the nature of choice. The very basis of not having freedom is not having a choice. And thus, when you make when you make a knowledgeable and knowing decision about the things you're doing, you're making a choice about it. And you can't make a choice without reflecting on yourself and reflecting on why you're making it. 10,000 Asia points. That's exactly what he's saying. I read 150 of these pages to realize that that's what, that's what he was saying the entire time. The quote that I have from him... Thank is, you. I was, trying to, I was trying to interpret it. I'm like, mm, my flossy brain. If it makes you feel better, you read a bunch of extra words and then you gave me the, the meat. Mm-hmm. He, this is what this is a quote. I'm sure they weren't extra. By, by overcoming a slavish or automatic response to the dictates of both our lower drives and conventional morality, and by orchestrating a meeting place of objective and subjective elements of experience, we find the freedom to choose how to think and act. So what Asia just said is the summing up of that a more condensed version a more clear version could you say that one sentence about the objective and some subjective elements of experience again yeah by orchestrating a meeting place of objective and subjective elements of experience we find the freedom to choose how to think and act all right that makes sense and then, sorry, you mentioned, and we, it's not like we got away from it, but I feel like it got lost in the fold. Mm-hmm. How the will, oh, no, 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 no. Not how the will to action first arises through instinct and culture. It was something else that you had said. Oh, how, um, and this might be getting away from it, but how knowledge is colored by perception. And we need knowledge to become like, or something yes he he the thing is he mentioned it a lot it's something that you see a lot within the game i'm not going to touch on spoilers but if you know you know there's a this idea that if you can keep people ignorant which i feel like is run we see a lot brought up within our day-to-day life mm-hmm. that if you can keep people ignorant you can control them you can control them yeah and then his whole idea is that you need to keep seeking knowledge and that helps support you creating your own ideas about things. Mm-hmm. And once you have the freedom to do that, you have the freedom to make an informed choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And then it's like, even if your choice is bad, because there are times where, or can be considered like more morally bad. Mm-hmm. You being free is being able to make that choice. Right. And it's not really giving free freedom and ethical, like, placement it's just yeah if we're going to consider that you it's not about what you choose it's about how you're able to determine the choice Mm -hmm. okay so question where does perception come in and the thing is i don't know how far in is considered a spoiler unfortunately i i didn't get to watch as much of it you play it as i wanted to 
But I know that in the beginning, there's a lot that Clive doesn't necessarily know. And a lot of extra information that's being kept from him, either by the nature of his, like, status as being Joshua's, like, ah, I forgot. Shield. Shield, thank you. And then immediately after living in a kind of flavor of slavery Mm -hmm. for years because he was, like, not mercenary, but it's not like they, like, he was just forced to go where they told him. And it's not like he got a chance to make a choice about that, Mm -hmm. but he was also not informed of the ins and outs until he kind of joined Sid's organization. Yeah. And even then, in the beginning, Sid was keeping some stuff from him. Yeah. And so you're asking, where does that place in regards to... No, I'm sorry. I got lost. I was like, <laughs> wait, we're talking about Final Fantasy. Asia, th- throw some Final Fantasy some in Final that. Final Fantasy stuff in there. I and I was you. like, yeah. And we've clicked it. Perception. Sorry, I had to stand up. This is this conversation is getting really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. So where does perception fall into like the freedom thing? On how the other people think, how other people look and think of you? No, because in the beginning it said, towards the beginning, German uh, analytics, blah, blah. It said something about, it tied knowledge perception. Do you have any notes? Let me see if I can grab the exact quote that I thought was interesting. Oh, the philosophy of freedom examines the basis of freedom in human thinking, and it gives an account of the relationship between knowledge and perception, and explores the role of reliability of thinking in the formation of knowledge. Yeah, I guess that's not really where we are right now, because we're more on the second part where he's like analyzing how you use that to we be free. We can go back to that. No, I just uh, it, it's just really intriguing to me because. Later on, you said that orchestrating a meeting place between the objective and subjective elements of experience, like, tie into being free. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the perception is the subjective, and that's something that is uh, chewy, I guess, because if you need true knowledge, but also the subjection of like the subjectiveness of experience. It's a little, sorry. It's one of those things I feel like I need an example for. He doesn't go into it. Oh, okay, cool. Never mind then. I was, cause the thing is, the thing is I'm okay with the reason why I set up is that, okay, we can go through it because what I thought that he meant by it was simply Because he constantly talks about how the fact that people who think they're free are some of the most kind of dangerous to the idea of freedom. Where it's just like, we are given the idea, we're giving the image of what freedom looks like. And if you um, kind of don't, if if, if you don't fit that mold. Yeah, if you don't go through the steps of trying to check yourself. Yeah, you're not free. But I think he talks he i think what he means is that the perception of freedom can kind of intersect with what we see as freedom Mm -hmm. does that make sense 
the perception of freedom can intersect with what we see as freedom. Yeah, it kind of blocks the view of what actual freedom is. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because to me, what you're saying is like, hey, if we think we did it, if we think we're finally free, we stop doing the constant work that it takes to be really free. Yes. And we start living the unexamined life, mm-hmm. if you will, which... Ex- is antithesis because there's no stopping point. It's just you have to constantly work for your own freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Nice. He also, but the thing is, I mentioned this within the. He makes these. He doesn't have to apply. He tries not to apply any moral standings in the idea of freedom. He's not. He's not here to talk morality. But mm-hmm. he also goes on to mention that. Um, that freedom from him does not consist in acting out everything subjective within us, but in acting out of love, thoughtfully, and creatively. Acting out everything subjective? Yeah. But acting... Out of love, thoughtfully, and creatively. Oh. In this way... We can love our own actions, which are unique and individual to us, rather than stemming from obedience to external moral codes or compulsive physical drives. Both of the latter constitute limitations on freedom. Okay. So I guess now that I think about it, he's not necessarily saying that you have to act out of love, but it's like you need to like be okay with your actions. Yeah. Like you need to like you when you make a choice. It has to be your choice. Yeah. And you can't be have you can't be afraid to make a decision because you're trying to be nice. And but at the same time you also can't make a decision because you're trying to be like harmful. Yeah. It's not to be a choice that you would make. It's one of those things where it's um he what I what I loved using in Final Fantasy is that there there goes a time where um uh Clive starts freeing slaves. Mm-hmm. And then some slaves are just like, hey, you're making it a lot harder for us. I had a gushy gig. I was in the house. Mm-hmm. And now I'm being punished because of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then Jill tells Clive, yeah, they're they're being like ungrateful. And then Clive makes the makes the it's just like the this is like one of the first this is Clive's decision. Where he's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. we're just trying to give him a choice. Like right. He's like, I know some people don't want to be... I know some people are okay with being a branded, but... You making that choice of your own volition versus being uh, forced into it is Mm -hmm. just as important. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. And what you said makes sense. It reminds me of... We've done the Shintoism one so often Mm -hmm. that I can't help but think of... like that how they talk about like quote unquote good and evil and stuff and acting for the betterment of the community where here it's like yeah you like let's let's nip this thing in the bud it's not acting out every single impulse that you have you still like it's still acting with the love and thoughtfulness and creativity that's innate and unique to you mm-hmm. so that at the end of the day, you can love your actions as an extension and expression of you and not just something you're doing physically or instinctually or because of social pressure, because of culture. 
Exactly. And because he make he makes the argument that every person is a monolith into themselves, that it should surprise you. He goes on to say that it should surprise you the decisions that other people make. Because if they're actually free, their own individual experience will always be different from yours. Mm-hmm. And so everyone should be able to make different decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess so. The thing is, that's where it tripped me up because because he's just like, yeah, essentially your friends, like it's like your friends, um, your friend makes a choice of something, uh-huh. you should have something different if you're not like giving in to like someone else's like, like perceived like freedoms or something. yeah. I feel like so I think I was like I feel like some things are just common sense. Well, not to say that, but you know like. I feel like some certain things kind of would overlap because of the knowledge that you gain. Here's the quote for it. He suggests that we only achieve free deeds when we find an ethically impelled but particularized response to the immediacy of a given situation. Such a response will always be radically individual. It cannot be predicted or prescribed. Uh, I feel like that's a lofty measure to put it, on something. It's such a lofty measure. It's not, especially with the way the world is now. Like Sam was saying, and some things are just common sense. There are some things that we are like constrained by because I guess is it him being like, yeah, we're not really free until this happens. Because I feel like you could argue that I feel like you could easily argue that. Am I free if I have to, like, if the choice I'm making to go to work every day versus staying at home and doing something I'd like to do better, like, is the fact that I'm not able to make that choice and I'm forced to go to work every day because I need money for thing for things and living, like, the fact that I'm forced into that choice makes it not really a choice at all. Mm-hmm. And that... If we could just do anything, then we weren't constrained by, like, society and social needs. Then there'd be such a wider expansion of, like, choices to be made that we should be constantly surprised by the choice. I feel like the only thing with that, like, I get that part. My only concern is that some people, uh, it's like... I feel like at the end of it, you will still have people making similar choices by like the, the nature the, of things. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the threshold, like the threshold of the options that you are not the not that they're limiting, but I feel like there has to be there's like seven billion people on the planet. They have to overlap at a certain point. I, I would f- think. I feel like that's just kind of what makes culture what it is. A lot of people making the same choices about how they choose to live, mm-hmm. and. I guess his point is just that, oh, yeah, but you would be able to choose. But having such, like, wildly different choices that you'd be constantly surprised makes me feel like it counteracts the idea of of culture. Mm -hmm. Because a culture is a lot of people making similar choices. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense? No, it, that makes sense. See, the thing is, this is what a lot of his detractors like mm-hmm. bring up. It's just like, how was that possible? Yeah. And 
he would probably say that no one's free right now. I mean, yeah, but the end of it, in a perfect world. He thinks that the ever, um, what was it? Because there are no limits to human knowledge, if we're able to be around, eventually there'll be a time where everyone's free. But he says that we have to keep searching. There are no limits to human knowledge. Yeah. I don't. Uh, what? Also. It, the thing is, also. Um, that's already just like a wild. That's a, that's a statement. That's a yeah. stance. Yeah. He is. The thing is, he. But doing further research with him, he's not just your typical analytical philosopher. Oh, whoa. He also, he fuses spirituality and arcane knowledge I'm with so his sorry. philosophy. Arcane knowledge? Arcane knowledge. What does that mean? He believes that there are things that is are- Is it ar- like how the German chocolate cake, is it really German? Yeah. It's just a guy named Germ, whose last name is German, and he named the cake after himself it's- to confuse everyone. Yeah. Uh, Hey, I didn't choose my name, but the cake deserves to be named after me. Well, use your first name. So, it's funny that you mentioned that. Because the thing is, I've read a lot of essays where people are just like, I don't... The thing is, it's like, yeah, he comes off as really cool with his, like, philosophy of freedom. But then it's just like, yo, man, where are you going with this? Like, by the time I get to the end of the paper, it's just like, okay. Um, He, throughout his work, he focused on the term was... Ethical individualism. I don't. I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm suspicious. Continue. The thing is, and that's the thing. Some people use the idea of ethical individualism to be like, it's okay if I make terrible actions. Yeah. But I can. That's my, like. That's your freedom. Yeah. That's your, like, yeah, I made this, these choices because I wanted to make these choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which leads to potentially really harmful things. And right. he gives no limiters to it. He, he doesn't... Because okay. usually when philosophers say a wild statement like, there's no limits to human knowledge, or no one's ever really free unless you... Do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. They usually <laughs> apply limits like, to it. Like or, qualifiers, at Qualifiers. Least. Or they... Pitch it in a way where it's just like, yeah, we're doing a thought experiment. Mm -hmm. Right. Where it's like, hey, this isn't the the ideas have merit, but it's not going to work one to one. Exactly. Which is why it works when applying it to Final Fantasy 16. It's a game that that like it has a scope. It has an endpoint. You can mm -hmm. see the themes of the story tying in with this idea of freedom with the journey that Clive and others go through. Mm-hmm. But then you bring it to the real world. And yeah. it's, um... It kind of falls apart because it sounds nice at first. But upon overthinking. Yeah. Or following it to its natural logical conclusion. What is... And its natural logical conclusion... It's already... It sounds like he, like, tried to... From what you've told us, it sounds like he tried to qualify it with a... Yeah, you should still act thoughtfully, creatively, and lovingly. Out of love. But the thing is, acknowledging that, quote-unquote, true freedom means that you are able to make whatever choice you want. However, like, and I I don't think it's, like, uh, ignoring the slide, 
refusing mm-hmm. to go down the slippery slope that he set before us. I feel like on paper, if you dull it down to its most like basic parts, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you dumb it down and it's just like, okay, we're not we're not if, going if I, overboard. We're not going to really go into the ethical individualism part mm-hmm. because I feel like when you get too individualistic, you forget that part of being free is also not encroaching on other people's freedoms. Yeah. Which he mentions nothing about. I was going to bring that up because I'm like, okay, you make a decision where it's just like, yeah. Sorry. I, the only thing I think about is it's like, yeah. Um, So I want to punch Derek in the face really badly. But it's like, but Derek doesn't want to be punched in the face. And that's like his definitive free choice. I feel like where does that fall? Because I think it's every decision that you make, and especially if you're expecting a different outcome. like outcome for someone else, how are people not constantly fighting all the time? He he goes into in his like preamble that human conflict is within the nature of humans. I mean, and so if you were to punch me, did you think about why you wanted to punch me? Yeah. Did you think about the actions behind it? Yeah. Okay. Did you think about why you were doing it? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Do you he, know the motivations? Yeah. Do you, are you not doing it based off of like your culture or like Instinct. your base instincts? No. Okay. You're you, free. You had the freedom <laughs> to punch him. You're free and, and then you get rocket, you get socked. Derek has the freedom to respond in kind or choose his response. Yeah. I feel like. It's him getting beat up. I get it. The nature of uh, humanity is conflict. Like, I feel like if you are a social animal, conflict is in- inevitable yeah. with, like, it comes with society, but not, I don't, without knowing the scope, mm-hmm. it's, um, without knowing the scope, without the little asterisks mm-hmm. underneath it. What are we saying, bud? With the societal rules. This is, I'm glad I was able to talk about this philosophy with you guys. Because the thing is, um, you guys know that I've read the entirety of Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to use this to talk about Attack on Titan because everyone does. I feel like that shows how kind of problematic the ending of Attack on Titan is. It's <laughs> that he, Aaron makes a choice, and it's his choice, and it was radically out there, and he decides to genocide the world. And it has no, like, bearing. Mm-hmm. And so the whole theme of Attack on Titan being freedom and you end the story with the one character taking away the freedom of like thousands of people. Yeah. But then you end it with like, yeah, he made his choice and he was right for it. And those countries that he didn't kill came back and destroyed the nation that he was defending and they made their choice. Hmm. What? That's yeah, that's how what? Yeah. I feel like there should be a little bit more value like given to those choices yeah exactly we should make a value determination yeah i feel like you're using it's like yeah well we want to take out today so we didn't cook anything i feel like those are very those are very drastic like like scopes but yeah (laughs) so anyways (laughs) final fantasy if we the thing is it would have been easier to do it would have been really easy to do this 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 uh Philosophy. Philosophy with Shintoism. I feel mm-hmm. like most. I feel like most jet things made in Japan are very like because they're touched by the culture. Yeah, and so I didn't want to do that. I wanted to try something the, new. I want to try something new. Is it oh. like it's using like a Western like 
they went with a Western direction with the game. Exactly. And if you don't know anything about Western philosophy, the two the two nations that are used a lot are Greek or German. Yeah. Philosophers. And so, um, this makes up a lot of it. Um Did a lot of German philosophy be used to support the ideology of Nazi Germany? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. I feel like you always have to go down that rabbit hole when you talk about, like... You always have to acknowledge German it. philosophy? Yeah. That's such a bummer. The thing is, it's not, even, it's not even necessarily the philosopher's fault. But if, you see how... It's some... Because I feel like it's like you have to put the asterisk there because if you're not thinking about it, you can't watch out for the pitfalls. Exactly. Like Schopenhauer. I love my boy Schopes. But the Nazis have used his philosophy to justify terrible things. Mm-hmm. Nietzsche, he was Australian. Um, Austrian. Sorry, Austrian. Germans use his stuff to do terrible things. So you yeah. have to, the thing is, you have to acknowledge it. <laughs> At least it's like, it's, it's, it's like kind of ingrained in the culture. And people don't, like, sorry, I'm talking about like Shintoism. It's like ingrained in the culture. So people don't think about these things as being philosophy. It's just in the culture. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So they can acknowledge that with other philosophies and also just, uh, what's it called? Social, what's the school of thought for philosophy? Can anthropology, social studies, social sciences? Social yeah. sciences, yeah. Boom, baby! You did it. Bam, anthropology. But thank you guys. We have about 15 minutes left, which means we can answer questions. Unless you guys have any questions yourself about this talk we just had it was very in-depth the thing is i apologize i feel like i wasn't like talking a lot because i'm trying to i'm trying to decipher because since i didn't like i don't have a lot of experience with philosophy stuff uh-huh. i'm like okay so I, I appreciate you like hey getting this information and here's like and you, put I mean, like the whole cone of information and you funneled it into my brain and you in a more concise way i appreciate you shout out Asia's always been really good. It's why I wanted to do the philosophy ones like this. I've been really good at researching the philosophy and condensing it. Asia's really good at taking that condensed philosophy and making it actual understandable. Mm -hmm. So it's why I like doing it this way, where it's like, I present the information, I give it to Asia, and then Asia condenses it even further. It was in real time, too. It was, it was in real like, time. You didn't, Asia's you didn't really know good that. You didn't know these beforehand. I Asia's like in notes. She's... I'm terrible at researching with... and condem- I get lost. She even knows she was by academia again. She was decoing within, <laughs> within our philosophy yeah, classes in college, it was always a wonder watching Asia like do that with the philosophy. Like Asia wouldn't even do the readings. But um, <laughs> Asia, Asia didn't have to because it's like when like the information is presented, Asia was easily able to like catch it wherein i do philosophy i've always had to apply it to something in entertainment Mm -hmm. before it can make sense to me that makes sense and through our powers combined we make one full philosopher (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i don't have any questions that was really interesting i'd be interested in reading his stuff i mean within reason (laughs) go for that so uh, yeah Thank you, guys. Um, if you have any questions about this topic, um, you guys can ask philosophy questions, too, in the comment section. Yeah. Um, and we'll do our best to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so this comment is from Isu's fall semester, last week's During the Pod episode. Um, Lord Fridge 9. 
You guys did so much this summer. I feel bad for asking, but you, can you keep the calendar updated? That way we can submit questions about future videos so you can ask about them. Um, that's reasonable. And I appreciate, that's reasonable. I appreciate your uh, understanding nature. I, I think that'd be really cool to have questions. Like, for example, next week's episode is a philosophy of Street Fighter Six. We're talking about the philosophy of strength of strength there the we thing go. is i'm trying to think of what, what it, that was i'm currently be. reading bruce lee a so that's who the philosopher might be using for i thought it would be apt to use a, a fighter martial artist. yeah martial or, artist yeah in the mindset um but yeah so you guys can go ahead and start asking questions for that now and then we can answer them in the podcast episode thank mm-hmm. you um bruce five 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 loved you guys at metrocon got to see <gasps> Shucks. Got to see Derek's one man show with his data panel. Yeah. Um, are you going to Are you going to talk more in depth about it within the website? I want to see the data. Um, Give me the data. We've already show done me the data. A philosophy in education panel. I mean, sorry, podcast. Uh, podcast. It was a while. Ago. It was a while. Ago. I want to say closer to twenty twenty. Yeah, it was yeah. probably like 2020, 2021. But I guess you could. Um, give a short article with it uh, that has you know, the uh what do you call it the data in it yeah yeah we can do it for the, the graphs and stuff and yeah. then relink back to it we can do that in the august potluck yeah or even we could probably now that we've been teachers longer just revisit it or something mm-hmm. that's fair the new data whichever we'll see um cxz Loving the comments, loving the commitment to the teacher's theme. Really appreciate it. Question, what was your favorite thing you got to do this summer? You know what I'm talking about. Sorry. What? Sorry, it was, since we had a whole pocket of Metrocon, I'm like... Oh. I really <laughs> did enjoy Metrocon. No, I was, I was trying to think of what was my... I guess the only thing I did was write and... Ooh. Even more than Metrocon, it might have been recording the episodes of the World of Valor we got to record. Ooh, that was fun. The thing is, we got through a lot of the Twilight Tournament. Um, that was fun. You guys are in for a treat. Mm-hmm. These next string of episodes, I feel like, are going to be some of the, like... A fan favorite? Yeah. The thing is, I really also enjoyed all the prep that we had to do. I feel like it gave us the opportunity to learn... Sorry, to kind of experiment our like own abilities in really creative ways, which I really appreciate. Yeah, and doing the fights off screen, I feel like it gave me the space to figure out like more about Zeo Mars as a fighter without mm-hmm. the pressure of it being recorded and everything. Mm-hmm. Which means when we get to fir- fights in the future, it's like easier. And also on top of that, I feel like without the pressure of it being like, yeah, you're gonna die. I feel like that, I, I had really bad stage fright. That throws me off. If you didn't know, because I know a lot of people who re, who listen to the mainline episodes don't necessarily listen to the bonus episodes. Um, last week's bonus episode also introduced the rules for the Twilight Tournament. There are 100 people competing, and they fight every day for 14 days, which means there's a lot of fights Mm-hmm. That we have to roll. So a lot of the fights at the Twilight Tournament are off screen. Because then we would have to do like it, They three, take a long time. Yeah, we do like three uh, different battles. And sometimes there's like multiple battles that people have to take a day. Yeah. And there's three of us. And we take a bit of time to. And yeah, so, you've seen it. You've seen the show. You know. You know. We definitely, like next, this coming week's going to be a treat. Because we definitely have 
the first three fights of the Twilight Tournament. Um, it's Vera's fight, Zimaris's fight, and Ivan's fight. Ruko's, fu- Ruko's first fight is a few weeks or a few days later. He is hiding mm-hmm. for the first part of the Twilight Tournament. <laughs> oh, but my favorite thing that happened this summer, I started working on a campaign. And also, I got really into zines. Zines? Magazines? Zines? Wh- whatever. Have I made one yet? No. Have I planned a bunch of them? Yes. I also got to hang out with my nephew and my family. Mm-hmm. So, boom. Nice. Um, and I got to meet my niece. Well, since we're all doing actual ones. What? No, sorry. I was excited. They're very cute. I was going to say that I've been enjoying all the food adventures that have been going on over the summer. Oh, that's funny. Korean barbecue. Columbia restaurant. Columbia restaurant. Also, um, that was my first Indian restaurant. Delicious. Delicious. I, I mean, it's been in my brain for the past two months. My cerebral cortex. Shout out. I wish it was closer. I wish it was closer. Two hour drive. Boom. So, final question from that episode. Rain Omega. Um, it's honestly nice to have some transparency on your entire process and the behind-the-scenes stuff. When you guys just disappear, I always worry that this will be the time you guys don't come back. So, sorry. my only question is... Sorry, so sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, my only question is, what makes you guys want to put out content? It feels like it would be easier if you just did it. What drives you to keep trying to be committed to us? Wow, that was a very thoughtful Dang, question. that's deep. Oh, do we all have different ones, or we get a? Nah, we just answer this together. Shoot. Um, I guess because I just like doing it. I feel like I'm in a position of doing something I actually like, like me being away from putting out entertainment suit stuff, putting out content isn't because I hate it. I think I I think entertainment suit is probably the my favorite thing I do, mm-hmm. and as how old am I? Twenty seven. Yeah. 27 years old and been spending the last like the better part of my adult life working on entertainment too it's like important to me like even if we like even if it eventually becomes something we do as a hobby and not just a job like it is now i think i'd always try to do it i i enjoy mm-hmm. doing it mm-hmm. um but i feel like the only reason i can enjoy doing it is because i feel like when a lot of companies become bigger there's a lot more pressure. Yeah. But uh-huh. I think thanks to our fans, it it doesn't feel pressured. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to use the example of Rooster Teeth, where... Sorry, the face you made. I, the thing is, it's like, I don't I don't like focusing on, like, um, how much I don't necessarily like Rooster Teeth anymore, considering it was such a big part of my, mm-hmm. like... Childhood. Drive to want to do... Oh, sorry. My childhood. It's like the thing is, Entertainment Sue was modeled after mm-hmm. Rooster Teeth at the beginning because I really liked that whole thing. I applied to be an intern there. Um, I tried to get into the University of Te- University of Austin mm-hmm. to like try to like pursue a career with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they inspired the major I took. But the mm-hmm. thing is, once you become corporate, you kind of become. There's a lot of other factors that take the love out. Yeah, and I never want entertainment to be in a position where I don't love doing it. Mm-hmm. Or we can't make a decision to, like, do it our own way. Yeah, mm-hmm. because the thing is, there have been multiple times where, like, this isn't, like, breaking into NDAs or anything. It's not like we don't mention any companies. But there were multiple times where companies have tried to buy entertainment suit from us. And 
it pro- financially it probably would have made more sense to like to do so to take to- the buyout. Mm-hmm. But I like doing this. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I I met and continued some of my best friendships with Entertainment Stew. Is that okay. us? Yeah. Sorry for some reason I thought you'd be like, nah. I'm sorry. What was that? I wasn't. I wasn't paying attention. Now I'm gonna record. Now when we're, <laughs> this episode, I'm gonna screen record that, and then I'm just gonna keep on. As, as it's Derek's ringtone. ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> but the the freedom within entertainment too. Yeah, uh, it's it's philosophy. unparalleled. The thing is, it's like how many people can say that they're doing what they wanted to do growing up. Mm-hmm. We get video games for free. I can like just. I, we like we play them and then we analyze them, which is mm-hmm. things that we do anyways. But mm-hmm. now it's like finish that sentence. Now it's like there's actually weight behind us, and we've been doing this for a long time. And going into when we talked about MetroCon last week, it feels good to have like the recognition. That recognition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's why I do it. Like. It feels good. It seems. I feel like all the things that we accomplished on Entertainment Stew. I feel like it has also made me proud of all you guys' accomplishments, all of our accomplishments as a whole. Especially since, like, hey, everyone, you know my art, my background, artists. Um, growing up, a lot of the things we were just like, yeah, being an artist isn't viable. Being an artist doesn't make any money. Do something more practical. And the thing is, for a long time, I was planning on gonna. Oh, sorry. I hate thinking about the alternate Sam version of myself where she's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> she's a lawyer. She's depressed. But now I'm a depressed artist. And I get to do what I want. So that's also nice. Sorry, I'm not depressed. That's freedom. That's freedom. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But like all the alternate versions. Even like the other alternate versions where it's like I couldn't like go to school. Sorry. Not to be like giving my business out there. But there's one time where I couldn't go to school because of complications with my family. And there was just, like, a time where I'm like, oh, I'm going to be working shitty office jobs until I die. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the choice that I have to do. But Entertainment Studios giving me an outlet, like, slowly giving me an outlet to do more of the things that I like doing and still making a career out of those things. And then people actually appreciate them for that. Because I feel like artists are kind of an underappreciated job, as well as, like, writers, teachers, creatives in general. Thank you. Shut up! Support your local teachers today. Um, for me, I, I had sentences, but my brain is like, nah, it's hard for me to not think of where we started, where I wanted to do it because yeah, it was interesting, but mostly like I wanted to support you. Mm -hmm. And as it's grown, it's become like a creative and social thing for me, I guess, where I get to spend time. You, you guys listen to what I think constantly and it was going to bubble up anyways. I wasn't going to shut up. So it's really like, I guess, flattering complimentary that like anyone even cares about the thousands of thoughts I have about what I choose to consume or what's out there and getting to go to the conventions and getting to like have conversations with people. And even if we're not like best friends for life afterwards, they still mean a lot to me because, um, because it's like that fleeting point of connection mm-hmm. between two different people. And I value that. Mm-hmm. 
I also value getting to explore these ideas. It's kept me fresh with philosophy, which I, and it's kept me doing things and being creative in ways that I don't think without it, I would have had the drive to, Yeah, you know, cause of, you know, mental illnesses and stuff. But like, it, it, I feel like it keeps me honest with those things. Mm-hmm. And like you said, even if we didn't make another drop of money with it, it's something that I would want to keep up simply because it's a point of connection of a lot of things I love. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> Sorry, I feel emotional now. It's also, it's brought us closer together, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. Look how sweet. <gasps> so corny. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm crying. I'm not corny. I'm no, sincere. You're very sweet. Thank I love you. you both. Now get a new question. So Sam stops bullying me for yeah, feeling emotions. Get a new question because Sam's crying. I'm not crying. Chapter 42, Deshi World. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you guys just keep roasting Joe Smart. Yeah. It's so funny. It. It's so Sometimes funny. Sometimes I screenshot my favorite ones. The thing is, it, it slightly annoyed me only because I'm like, oh, so Sam gets a boyfriend and then Joe Smart has to freaking ruin it with his awkward riz. Joe Smart gets front and center because yeah. <laughs> no one can shut up about <laughs> But you do have a question particularly for you, Sam. Yes. By Romantic Kissinger. Yes. Sam, since you bagged your husband, though, and you're now the romantic extraordinaire in the world of Bala, <laughs> who are you hoping the other characters get with? I need, I need to know this question for its ages. Core. <laughs> She's very much the romance person in the house. Um, but since you want my humble opinion, um, I want everyone to be a Simoon Atlas for the gag. I hate it. <laughs> I love that idea that everyone's a Simoon Atlas. However, my serious answer, um, so I don't think Joe's going to listen to this, but I want Ivan to end up with Orion. I feel like a lot of the things that Ivan wants in a relationship, he's not going to get with Sethara. I feel like that's a sinking ship. The thing is, you guys aren't even really friends. <laughs> you made that very clear that you guys aren't really close. Which is fair, because Sathar is like, and I don't even know, interact in most of the episodes. I mean, they stand next to each they other. They stand next to each other, and like, Sathar is there to like, help out, but is he, they're not super close. Sathara, famously anti-god. Yeah. Joe Smart. So I'm a god now. Hey, you want to hook up? No. <laughs> but the thing is, to be fair, Orion also doesn't like hang out with Ivan like, super a lot. They had that one fight. Yeah. And it's so funny. There was more chemistry in that one fight where they kept failing their roles. Than... Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, going down the rabbit hole of roasting Joe Smar when he's already well done. <laughs> Please continue. Yeah. But I feel like all the things that Ivan would like out of a relationship would be given to Orion. And I feel like they have more chemistry just overall even though orion hasn't been in the episodes for, for a bit i miss him i miss him but even though he hasn't been in the episode for a bit i feel like that chemistry out of everyone else in the cast is the most prevalent so um ruko honestly i gotta be real i feel like Ruko. like i want ruko to end up with the tyranny box actually <laughs> i feel like that'd be a cute romance i also want sorry ruko it'd be cute in a with... toxic way i want a toxic ruko relationship um, but I feel like Ruko doesn't really interact with everyone, with all the other, sorry, the, the NPCs that Ruko interacts with, we don't interact with, but it doesn't seem like he's romantically interested in any of them, and he doesn't give any kind of flirtatious answers to anything. It's Ruko x Damien. 
It's Ru- Don't say that to me. Ruko's, John's going to try to come after my man, and I don't appreciate it. Hey, hey, Davey, we're best friends. No, you're not. He's my boyfriend. <laughs> and your best friend. And well, I-, I don't know. Does he have a ton of friends? He's been loving for a lot. Um, I'm his best friend because the thing is outside of it's like I guess it's Vera first now yeah then Orion dang it <sighs> that makes sense then Zeomaris third place There's then bombs. Honey Kiss top three nice that's all I ask <laughs> and if I didn't get top three top five <laughs> if I didn't get top ten my feelings thing, if, I didn't, if I went in first place I'd be really upset considering we're bounded together and you're also dating me but that being said, they um, have ties that bind them together. <laughs> anyway, Sam. But, but if, I, if I didn't bag, um, if I didn't bag Damien, Ruko, you have my blessing to go after Damien if you would like. But don't because we're together now. Anyway, um, so Zeomars. I have a bunch <laughs> of people that I ship with Zeomars because I feel like Zeomars has. Um, sorry, I was gonna say this in my brain because I've been playing Persona a lot. And I've also been watching a lot of like shonen romance stuff. But you have like hero energy. You have very much like everyone can rely on you. You're very much the tie that binds. <laughs> all these Let's see how many times we can say this in the next five minutes. Well, the Dala, you know, you get it. Um, so I, I originally I shipped you with Eve because I feel like Eve and you have really good. I feel like your chemistry was really good, but also it was very nice to see like someone who's kind of like reserved with someone who's like very shy and embarrassed. I thought that was just cute. Also, your color schemes. They look do good match. together. They're cute. They're purpley, like dark colors. It looked nice. You do. And then I was like, hmm, Zero Mars and, and Mariah, because I thought they would also be cute because I like the. Sorry, it was Zero Mars and then Orion, but you know, we we're, I already shipped off Ivan with Orion. Mariah, I like you guys together because I like the. I like the princessy trope and then this cowboy who's like the hero to go save her or whatever. Christmas on the ranch. <laughs> I hate it. I, I don't know where you got that from, but I hate it. Um, I also like, but then seeing the most recent episode, I really like seeing you with Dean because you guys have really good chemistry. They have good chemistry. They have good chemistry. I don't know what you're talking about. The thing is, when they were like dancing, and I'm like, oh, so not it was that was with Satara. Never mind. I wish if you guys with Satara, was he a Mars and Satara? It was one of the events that you uh, did with Dean. Zeomaris danced with Dean. You did? Yeah, not Satara. Then how do you get? Oh no, Ivan and Satara got cowboy boots. Yeah. That I wanted. <laughs> I also wanted the cowboy boots. They're so cute. They had hearts on them. They're so they were cute. very cute. They're very cute. Um. I got hair gel. <laughs> Anyways. But I just really like the idea because I've been thinking about Vera's ties to her family and Dean and Vera's relationship with Dean. And how it binds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. And I just really want Dean to have someone that they can confide in and rely on and love them for them. And even in your brief interactions, Dean be able to like put his guard down with you and well all of us but also with you because you guys are the one that were paired off mostly in the episode i thought that was very sweet to see and you know i want to see my sibling happy you're both professors so that's the only person you can date actually also <laughs> no it's not i refuse to be a simoon atlas i won't you be can just brought have in be an umbra So that actually leads us to our next question mm-hmm. by Anna Risa Rice. 
Um, two cowboys. Come on, guys. You got to do better. How are they going to kiss with their cowboy hats hitting each other? See, here's the thing. Immediate answer. One of them uses their cowboy hat to hide their kiss from the camera. Boom. Classic. Nice. What it gets, you just turn the cowboy hats all the way. We do a Spider-Man, <laughs> and you're upside down. The cowboy hat hitting the other one in the, th- both cowboy hats hitting <laughs> them in the throat. Um, Santana lover. Yeah, yes. this all figured out. Um, legit loved the, loved, loved the love being shown between Damien and Vera. I honestly can't wait until it ends in tragedy. I want Sam to fall in love with this fictional man and and drown in bitterness when Damien, the free spirit, breaks your heart. How do you feel about romance being used as a sword against your player? Amazing. Um, Fascinating. The thing is, I feel like you're going to be like, yeah, Sam's going to be really woken up about this because Damien's up there. No, you're dead to me now. Boom. Um, I honestly... Sam's going to cry on camera if it happens. I'm already... I already like using like familiar stuff against my players. The thing is, I know some DMs, there's a trap of romance that they're only going to use it to give you man pain. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Like, I think sometimes, sometimes I feel like in some of these um, scenarios, the romance is the only bright spot in like a bunch of terrible things happening in the world. So I don't like the idea of like wielding it against someone. Because then people won't try the system. Because it's just like, oh, you're just gonna... You're just trying to get me to be vulnerable with you. To put my walls down. I'm also very apprehensive to romance in general. And I'm like, ugh. You hurt me once. I'm never gonna fall for this ever again. Yeah. Oh, you want me to love somebody? Nah. (laughs) I think I'm gonna do my own thing. I hate it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, and finally... From the last episode, episode 43, International Festival of the Arts. It's more Dunkin' on Joe Smart. <sighs> really funny. It was really funny. Also, just just a point. He can't rep the awkward gaze if he's not busy being awkward. That's fair. We need representation in all aspects. We need <laughs> people who fail consistently at flirting. Angelo Cask. I find it funny that in the grand scheme of things, a lot of days haven't actually passed. Like, it's been months in our real time, but, like, two days ago in the world of Valor, I even brought the Land of Dragons back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was wild. Huh? How do you rectify so many things happening in such a small amount of time? You ever had a really bad day? <laughs> the thing is, I, I was I was thinking about it, and I was thinking hard about this question throughout the week. And then I was just like, well, in our real world, like, a hundred years can go by, and only in, like... A short time span a lot of things can happen um i don't mean to be a bummer but it's like uh covid mm-hmm. then um the world's being hotter than it has ever been before yeah um, there were riots that summer he yeah. riots that summer um uh, war in ukraine um like I guess Som- sometimes Twitter alone per- still not being forgiven. Sometimes in periods of time, a lot of things. I feel like when you can't zoom out and see the things that led to it, it makes it seem like a bunch of things are super sudden all at once. Yeah. But for instance, like what what span of time are we saying in the story? Like Ivan 
like releasing the dragons, but the dragons have been there since the beginning of like they were referenced back in the first thing. It's mm-hmm. just the god of wrath happened to show up and he happened to talk to the stupid dragons in the sky. Yeah. Um that could have happened hundreds of years ago if Adeshina had done that and I don't I don't think that would have been a good idea then either, but whatever. So and then there's already like this dude fighting in the fucking I mean in the darn what's it called like the space fighting against Vano yeah Lazarus that's been happening for hundreds of years and the veil that affected the veil to let him get released and it's just a lot of things that Derek is constantly working on and rolling for in the background that when one thing triggers something it triggers like a domino effect almost Mm -hmm. of it just getting worse Mm -hmm. and worse and worse and worse. And not to mention the things that are happening with our characters. And since half of them are related to gods anyway, and gods mm-hmm. like have overarching ramifications for the world and stuff, it's just, I feel like it's really easy for when you're really big, when you're Godzilla, knocking over like a skyscraper isn't much. Mm-hmm. You just bumped into it. When all, you know. Did that explain anything? My bad. No, I think that did. I thought you did a good job with that. Thank you. Boom. Yeah, perspective. Yeah. Um, There's stuff happening constantly, but as long as I get my B-sides. As long as I get my Um, B-sides, I'm fine. Uncle VT, this is going to be the final question. Um, Dragon Ball GT. Another B-side episode. Great. I'm glad to have this World of Owl back. A lot of things happening in this episode. ZMRs is heading out to deal with divine stuff. The only person who needs to be brought into uh, brought into speed is Vera. Other than we're getting more of a Koenig storyline, I love that, especially going that you're going on a mutant kind of storyline, especially with Marvel kind of um, poofing the bed with it. Um, I love that you're setting up the equivalent of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and I can't wait to see how Ivan makes his way against it. Um, are you a fan of X Men, and are you going with a civil rights uh, slant to this story? No, I am not. Um, Which one? The, uh, <laughs> the civil rights. The civil rights but are you a fan of X Men? I love the X Men. I love, love X Men. Um, I sometimes when media makes um, allegories with about the civil rights movement with non like black things or people of color things, it does not. Doesn't do translate. Well. It doesn't translate well. Yeah. You you leave out a lot of things or you give reasons for things when it was it just, doesn't need to be. Yeah. The thing is a lot of you guys weren't here at the beginning of the World of Valor when we did Sins of the Father back in twenty eighteen. And that was a question we got all the time. Oh yeah, you're doing like a a, a race thing. A race allegory. With the Vaconics. No, I'm not. Yeah. We're not gonna do that. Like Vaconics actually like do harm the world it's not their fault but it's like it's not a one-to-one it's not a one-to-one and then you comparing it to be a one-to-one isn't it it it, it would muddle the war waters with it a bit and i feel like a lot of where the allegory fails most is trying to give a reason for why a people is oppressed or Mm -hmm. something when most of the time there's not really one other than you know natural greed misuse of power etc yeah. etc et and also there's enough of that out yeah there. I, i'd good. like to i'd like to 
just delve into a new world, an escapism, <laughs> if you will. I'm I'm down with different flavors of social inequality that are fictitious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can work with that. Classism, anyone? Would anyone like some classism? You want to talk about class? <laughs> but thank you guys. That was a great episode. Love the questions. Keep thank asking you. them. Keep dunking um, on Ivan, you know. <laughs> I do enjoy that. The thing is, a lot of the questions that you guys ask uh, were just dunking on Ivan. They don't have any questions? Yeah. They they seem hypothetical. Like, one asks, is Ivan ever going to get a win? Um, Um, We'll see, honestly. (laughs) We'll see. mm. We're not doing experiments to see, to track Ivan's getting a win percentage, actually. Yep. So, we'll keep you updated on that. But uh, this has been Derek. This is... Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no. I I got excited. Go for it, Sam. I went out of order. No, you're cool. It's Sam. And this has been Asia. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.